Welcome to the drdavidmarlin.com Stable Science Podcast. I'm Dr. David Marlin, and along with a great team of experts, I'm helping horse owners and riders achieve optimal performance for their much-loved horses. In these podcasts, we will discuss science-led research, technology, information, and advice to help you care for your horses so they may live healthier, happier, and longer lives. To support the podcast and all our research and science for horses, go to our website, www.drdavidmarlin.com, and to learn more about what we do and the hot topics under discussion, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, this is Dr. Gillian Tabor. I'm a physiotherapist and part of the Dr. David Marlin group, and I'm recording this because David has asked me to investigate a topic that is um, related to therapy and the topic for today is cupping. So I just wanted to talk about a little bit of what it is, its history and then why and how it is now being used in animals. I've got a little bit of research to discuss and then just a few sort of thoughts I have on it. So basically cupping therapy has been around for thousands of years. In the literature it talks about it being used 1500 years BC in the Middle East and in China, um, sort of Asia areas, and it's part of the traditional Chinese medicine approach to managing disease and illness uh, in people. So the, historically it has been used and Back in those days, you know, it was all based on uh, anecdote and supposed improvements in people's health. And also it was something that um, the sort of masters were able to do because they were trained in it and then people were would go to be healed. And this is just one of the approaches, you know, alongside acupuncture and herbal medicine. So in the sort of origins of it, the idea is, is that cups are used, they're applied to the body and a vacuum is created under the cup which creates a negative pressure. And the cups used to be made out of glass uh, or clay. Uh, these days they have got some more modern materials and some are made out of things like rubber and silicon, um, but the majority are sort of still made of glass. And the way that the suction is created uh, is either manually, so you can sort of suck out with a sort of almost like a syringe uh, and then have a valve that means that the area in the cup is in a negative pressure. 
you can have it now created by a sort of electrical pump that sucks out the air. Or another method that I read about was that they would wipe the air with alcohol underneath and then set fire to it. And then obviously the flame would use up the oxygen in the area under the cup. And then that also would create a negative pressure. So the idea is, is basically that there's suction under the cup. So some of you might have seen in the media, and I think it was mostly highlighted, certainly in the London Olympics in 2012, there was a swimmer, and I think he was called Michael Phelps. I could be wrong. I should have Googled that first. But he uh, dove into the pool with these big round circles on his back. And then he admitted that he was treated with this cupping therapy. So that might be what you associate with it. And the thoughts there are that the, uh, the treatment is for improving recovery and performance enhancement and it was sort of um, some papers you know the, the lay press slated it and then there was a lot of discussion certainly in my world as a physiotherapist about you know the uh, effectiveness of it and the ethics behind it and because those red marks were there you're obviously creating a change in circulation and, and damaging tissue and there's also some horrific pictures if you google uh, cupping therapy and look at images there's a picture basically of a person that looks like he's about to grow horns out of his back but where the cups were applied either side of his spine there's sort of six to eight spots the skin has broken down so now he's got these perfectly round wounds that are about sort of five to seven centimeters around and there's obviously a lot of damage to it so that was sort of my impression of what uh you know, cupping was and is. And, you know, when David first said, can you look at this? I was like, oh my goodness me, you know, how, how on earth could it be used in animals? And actually as a, a sort of side note, I am qualified to treat people. And in my early years, I was, uh, I used to use acupuncture quite a lot, uh, very much on the Western medical approach for pain relief. But as part of the course, we did cover cupping, although it was something that I've never used in people. So as a caveat, um, I've never used it in people and I've also never used it in animals. But I am always interested and open to further ideas and looking to see whether there's anything that you know I can add to my practice or perhaps I can help people with understanding the reasons behind using it, um, perhaps, you know, if it's not ethical or whether it's ethical, then perhaps um, helping with that thought process. So let's think about why you would want to actually apply cupping to a body, be it human or animal. The main thing is, is that you're obviously going to have changes in blood flow and the blood flow and the lymph flow in those superficial tissues uh, are obviously affected because, as I said, in the humans, you get this redness. And then if it's on for a long time, then you get the breakdown in the capillaries and you get bruising. So we know that it actually does do what it says it does. But does that link to any clear mechanism of action when it comes to either pain relief or any kind of sort of healing? Well, if you think about the uh, what's going on underneath the cup, the edges of the cup, cup cause compression, and uh, that might be something that you want, but the center of the cup causes decompression. So in the short term, while the cup is on there, as well as influencing the blood flow and the lymphatic flow, you're actually changing the, um, the tissue underneath that cup. So you are 
decompressing the skin against the underlying fascia and against the muscles underneath. So in effect, you are actually having a myofascial manipulating effect. The other fact that you uh, will sort of realise is that you'll be able to feel the cups on you. So there is a sensory input. Your peripheral nervous system is going to um, pick up the change in the pressure in the tissues and also the stretching of the tissue in the middle and the compression of the tissue around the rim of the cup. So that sensory input you know, is going to have a proprioceptive effect and rather like kinesio tape, or any kind of hands-on manual therapy, that's going to have a relay into our central nervous system and then may affect output. So when we're thinking about it, it is again doing what it is said it is doing, but is there a clear plausible link between that and the sort of outcomes that we want? This is where it gets a, a little bit difficult because we want to think about the plausibility of it. So the approaches that I have um, come across when I've done uh, looked at the research, there's certain different methods of uh, actual, you know, the, the reasoning and the way that you're using it to have the outcome. And the one paper that is published is a paper from Saudi Arabia in 2018, and it was on a set of Arab horses, and they used wet cupping. Now, this is akin to blood netting. Mm. So uh, I read the paper and looked at it and went, wow. So I need to tell you about it, because then in all, you know, in the effect of being open and looking at the literature, they had four points on the horse, two were behind the scapula on either side and two were on the rump. They uh, did their wet cupping. So what they did is they washed the hair and shaved it, uh, applied olive oil. And that was all to do with trying to uh, have the ability to create that contact and that suction area. They had an electrical suction machine, but they also used a flame on alcohol to induce a greater increase in the negative pressure. Then what they did is they actually cut, uh, they created a superficial cut in the area underneath the cup and they left the cup on there for 10 minutes to suck the blood. Uh, they cleaned it and they repeated that three times. So in total, they took about 200 ml of blood from each of these sites. Good news is, is that eight, in the eight weeks following the treatment, there were no infections and no skin uh, issues. <laughs> uh, well, that's you just think wow i hope you do think wow that's amazing um something like that would not get through any form of ethics panel in the uk and um it was a bit shocking to me that this is the only paper that i could find and it's certainly not uh, an indicated method of use of cupping at all well full stop you can tell you know i'm trying to be objective but honestly so the outcome measures that they looked at to see whether it would help is that they had an observer in uh, reports and there was reports of an improvement in the general condition. Well, that's great, but there's no blinding. Um, there's obviously a high risk of bias. And oh my goodness me, if that was um, an outcome measure that I used in my therapies, um, I would be um, not a, a very robust researcher. But they also looked at arterial venous blood parameters and serum cortisol, and they showed that there was an increase in white, white blood count, reduced um, 
in some others uh, there was an initial increase initial increase in ast which then reduced uh, which suggests um, some muscle enzymes being released into the circulatory system there was an initial raise in cortisol and serum cortisol and then there was a reduction in cortisol but these measures were taken three days two weeks four weeks and eight weeks after. So there's so many variables. And actually they, they did say that the AST increase could have been because of any other damage in the body. So they couldn't say that it was because of the cupping. So a little bit shocking, no, um, no real support for the use of it. And actually they didn't say why they were using it. So again, there's this real disconnect between the links between the theory, you know, change in circulation and um, healing and performance and then the actual outcomes of it. So moving on from that, what we uh, what I then looked at is sort of in my therapy world, what was going on. And so um, looking away from the research, because there, there wasn't any other peer research, I looked into uh, other practitioners use of it. And interesting, there's sort of two distinct uh, methods of using it. One is that you put the cap on and then you leave it on. But then there's another approach, which is where you put the cup on and then you move it across the body. So you are actually manipulating that myofascia and the superficial areas and creating decompression. And in it's the only approach that I know that could do that. You can decompress using kinesio tape and um, then you sort of have a lifting effect if you apply it in a specific way. But this is a way that is going to have um, you know, a, a, an effect during the time that you're treating it. So the suggestions are that if you want to avoid any risk of discomfort when it's caused, you only have the cups on for a short time and you might have them taken on and taken off put on and taken off or you might put it on and then you might draw the cup across the body and um, therefore you're not having such a centralized or sort of a localized effect which I think is you know is quite interesting however as a caveat to that I think it is just another form of uh, sensory input at the moment um, sorry not at the moment <laughs> What I'm saying is that we can see the plausible link to the neurological input, but in terms of any long-term change to the fascia, we don't know that yet. So there's a system that I think must come out of Germany and they have, um, or certainly Europe, and there are glass cups and a, a machine, an electric plump, pump that pulls it out and pulls out the the air rather and creates that suction and that is then moved across so there's some nice videos you can google it sort of equine cupping nice videos of it moving across the apaxial so the back region of the horse and um, you can imagine that actually where you've got hair or long hair or changes of contours trying to keep that suction is going to be quite challenging so it is potentially only going to be of use over your sort of softer squidgier muscular areas which I would suggest is if you are thinking about affecting the myofascia that's when you are going where you are going to want to use it um, and then also there is a company that sells silicon cups and these cups you can get a set of eight 
cups for £40. You know, so there's a, probably quite a price difference between these silicon cups and the cost of the ones um, from the electric machine. Uh, these silicon cups comes in, they come in four sizes, but for uh, animals, the people that I heard say they recommend the 57 mil and the 67 mil. And it's like a, a little sort of sink plunger, but rather than having a handle on it, it's got a long wooden handle, rather it's got a small rubber handle and you then create the suction and then you can suck, you can have a vacuum on and off, on and off. I think it might be more challenging to move that across the horse's body and certainly you wouldn't want to leave that on at all. You know, you were thinking of the duration much, much less than it would be on a human, so sort of 30 seconds or even this sort of on-off application. So those are the ways that they're being used that I can see. I'm sure that there's more information out there that I've missed, but um, just to bring you the information that there, there is a lack of science behind it. There's a lot of suggested mechanisms and suggested outcomes, but there's no, at the moment, no sort of identified mechanisms of the action and certainly no link between the application of it and performance, except for anecdote in terms of people saying that they feel better and it reduces their pain. There are certain precautions and limitations that I would be um, really, really uh, like to see apply to animals. Certainly the fact that you can't see bruising is a, a huge sort of red flag for me. And I can see that if these were used in the wrong manner, then potentially we could be harming our animals. And we obviously don't want to do that and uh, it's all very well saying oh there was no you know behavioral response or pain response at the time but you don't know what happens later on you know could we be damaging that microcirculation the capillaries in the skin uh, under the hair and especially in dark coats we wouldn't see it and you know when they're covered in hair also if you've got any sort of systemic blood flow issues you'd have to be cautious and certainly if the, the animal had any issues with clotting or on any medications that you know, might affect either sort of sensory input or changes um, peripherally, I think that would be an issue. Uh, and then pain, you know, if you're causing discomfort, you know, are, are we in, you know, are we, do we have rights to create discomfort if there is a greater good that we at the moment don't have the research to support? I mean, we know that there are certain issues where we create pain. I mean, for instance, injecting our horses with their annual vaccinations is a painful occurrence. However, the risk of you know influenza or herpes virus or strangles, um, sorry, not strangles, I don't want to say that, um, is greater than that short-term discomfort, but we have got the data to support that ethical decision. So with cupping, do the potential costs, as in the risks, outweigh the benefit of it? Um, that's you know an open question, and um, I sort of send that out to the jury, really. So if you've got any thoughts or questions, by all means, do get in touch either via the Facebook group or email the Dr. David Marlin website and really, really happy to have a discussion about it because, you know, I think this is another area of, you know, relatively new emerging therapy that we ought to be cautious about the application of it. And let's see where it goes. And, you know, if, um, if anybody's looking for an interesting research project, then this is perhaps an area they could undertake, but I, I 
do question the ability to get it through a sort of strict ethics panel in the UK. So that's all for me and thank you for listening and for your attention for this time and uh, yeah, do get in touch if you've got anything further you'd like to add to the discussion. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and the Stable Science series. If you want to learn more about this topic and our work, head over to the drdavidmarlin.com website. Our website and community of members discuss a wide breadth of topics and the website houses thousands of articles, webinars, videos and research, all designed to help horse owners, riders, trainers and breeders achieve optimal performance for their much-loved horses. The drdavidmarlin.com site is an independent information resource for all equestrians, a source of unbiased, science-based research. To learn more about what we do and the hot topics under discussion, follow us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.